This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Cooper's Adventures, Facing Our Fears, and the author is Tracy Barrickman, and Tracy joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Tracy. Good morning. Well, good to have you with us, and this is a very well-done children's book uh, to really get to an issue where kids and sometimes even adults have a hard time with uh, just our natural fears, especially when a loved one is gone for a long period of time. And so I want to read this. Uh, You say Cooper's Adventures is going to appeal to families with young children that are relocated or parents that have to spend time away from home to earn a living. It targets military families because of their situation. So in this case, we're dealing with your son, Sergeant mm-hmm. Frank, mm-hmm. who everybody calls Scooter. I don't know if Sergeant <laughs> wants to deal with that one. I doubt if anybody in the Army knows that. <laughs> Probably not. not. Probably not. And his little son, Cooper, who's how old? Uh, Cooper's uh, four years old. Four years old. And, of course, uh I'm sure as the grandmother and as the author, your part just breaks when little Cooper gets afraid. Yep, yep, it does. Well, tell us uh, how what started all this motivation to write this book. Well, he, uh, of course, uh, my son is in the Army and uh, re-enlisted a few years ago. And, and the last time he re-enlisted, of course, at that time he had his, his family. By that time he had, had it, well, his first son, Cooper. It was hard enough when he left the first time as a single man, but when he left and took his family, that was a little more than Grandma could take. And just missing Cooper and thinking about him all the time. You know, I spent, spent quite a bit of time with him before he left. And, and just having him gone so much, I really I missed him. I just missed him terribly. And that was, you know, just thinking about, just thinking about his, um, his little adventures, you know, how I perceive his adventures is, is what motivated me to, to start writing about him. It helped dealing with my own, my own feelings of uh, missing him. Your own emotions that you're feeling right now. Can <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you tell? Everyone, Tracy is having a hard time, and so she told me that this uh, this might happen, and it is happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Let's see. Uh, you also say that a military parent has a less likely chance of returning home than a regular business person, and their time away from home is typically longer. So. Obviously, that's on your mind as the mom. And then, of course, uh, uh, Sergeant Frank's wife, uh, Cooper's mother, uh, you know, that's in the back of your mind, I'm sure, somewhere. Mm -hmm. And Cooper probably doesn't understand that, that his dad might not come home, but Mm -hmm. he's just gone for a long time. Does, Does he, when do you remember him asking, where's my dad? I I don't, because in his first year, he was pretty young, and... Uh, his well, his first birthday, it, it was the norm. I mean, his dad being gone and having to communicate with his dad um, using the internet, 
was was normal for Cooper. He's just, because his dad left when he was so young and he was gone the first year of his life. Um, and so that was just kind of a norm. You know, his first birthday was spent celebrating, you know, having a big party and everybody was there. Uncle Uncle Travis was there, but Daddy was on the Internet. And I think for the first year or so of his life, he thought Daddy was just a computer. <laughs> you got to see him on a big big screen somewhere, right? Yep. Yeah, that was about it. Well, in your book, Cooper tells Mommy it scared him when Daddy was gone, and then Mommy uh, takes Cooper's little hand in hers and helps him. And what does she say to him? In the book, she tells him that it's it's okay to be afraid. People people do get scared. Even even adults get scared. And and she told Cooper that even even Daddy gets scared sometimes. And um, but um, so that's normal. You just have to work through it. And you- uh, she told him, and and she told him, you know, the way she deals with it when, you know. Um, when when she gets scared is, you know, hold my hand and, well, she told him, you know, hold my hand and, and we'll think about daddy and, and uh, we'll feel better. Well, he has a great time going to the beach with his little cousin. Tell us about this adventure. Um, it was just a, it was a typical family outing with um, with family, you know, uh, grandparents and and uh, his little cousin, they were going to go to the beach, and Mommy, of course, Daddy was gone, and so they were going to go to the beach and uh, play on the beach. They had a picnic, had a wonderful time, bright, sunny day, and um, as the children were playing along the beach, they um, something washed up on the beach in front of them, and it was a giant, monstrous-looking thing, and and it scared them, and it scared Leah, his little cousin, and, and she... Um, she started. She almost started to cry. She was so scared, and and he looked at her. And when he saw how scared she was, she, um, you know, he told her, "Well, don't be scared. Hold hold my hand. You know, he, I'll, I'll hold your hand, Leah, and don't be scared." And and so she took his hand, and she says, "You're right. I do feel better." And about that time, mommy comes up and saves the day, and says, "Oh, it's just a, it's just a starfish. You know, nothing to be afraid of." And and. Uh, so the the children felt better just just having each other and holding hands and and uh, uh, realizing that nothing was really happening to them at that time and, and then mommy come up and everything was better. Was that a true story? No. <laughs> well, it sounds like it could have been. It's a great it's a great little story. Yeah. It's believable. I thought maybe it happened. No, no, uh, <laughs> no. The stories come from I don't know just just little bits and pieces of things that I watch the children. I have um, I have three granddaughters here that live in Alaska, and and uh, one of them is close in age. She's no a uh, year older than than Cooper, and um, she uh, Cameron. They they played a lot before he left here, and and I watched them a lot, and just just little things that that I watched Cooper and Cameron do, and just their little antics is what really helped um, create these stories in my mind. Well, your story is about children overcoming fears, but you do it in a way that you call the characters smart, silly, and fun. So that's a great way to deal with could, what could be such a negative. Mm-hmm. I, I, tried to, I tried to write the story and... You know, interject the the lesson in there, 
but I didn't want to dwell on on just negative stuff because it is a children's story. Oh yeah, I tried to to make um make the characters fun. Facing Our Fears is the first in a series of children's books that you're writing. Uh, now are the rest of them going to have the same theme? The series is called Cooper's Adventures, and then each one will be a little bit different. Of course, the first one there is Facing Our Fears. The second one that I've, uh, I've already written, and it's ready to go to my publisher, is called Leaving Home. And it's when Daddy, you know, first... When, when Cooper's daddy first gets, gets his orders and they actually have to leave Alaska and leave home and family and that sort of, you know, what, what Cooper was used to. And so that's what the second story is about. I have three others that I've started. And uh, so they're going to follow. They're just going to be little lessons. Not all of them are going to be about fear. The second one, leaving home, is, is really, is really going to be specific to the military because it's getting orders, having to leave home, and, you know, dad leaving and that sort of thing. And great, colorful pictures. Yes, the, the artist did a wonderful job. Really did. Uh, it's, you know, very important, obviously, in the children's books to, mm-hmm. to have those colorful pictures. The title of the book, Cooper's Adventures, Facing Our Fears. Uh, you have a website. I do, coopersadventures.com. Coopersadventures.com. And where can we get the book, Tracy? Uh, You can find it, uh, you can order it at Coopers on Coopersadventures.com. It's also on BarnesandNoble.com and Amazon.com. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on Author Talk. Well, thank you. It was was nice speaking with you. That was Tracy Barrickman. She is the (laughs) author of her children's series. The first in her series called Cooper's Adventures Facing Our Fears. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Innovation and insight, problems and solutions, capitalizing on your ideas and efforts. That's all a part of Changing the World One Invention at a Time with Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 Central on toginet.com. Rick will be sharing stories of innovation, invention, inspiration, and overcoming obstacles with guests who have been there, done that, and are doing that. Rick will be asking the right questions, helping you identify the real problems, and showing you how to act on your ideas by increasing consumer confidence, and more importantly, increasing your confidence to act on your ideas. For even more information, go to thinktech, that's T-E-K, globally.com. Then join us as Rick and his guests teach us how to develop new ideas and create new products, new businesses, new jobs. And together, let's get our economy growing again. It's changing the world one invention at a time with author and inventor Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 central on toginet.com. Was sad, right? Cause he had a death kill mommy and dad. Right. But that ain't the case. Nope. It wasn't his fate. No, nope. the wives never struggled to communicate. Ha. Y'all wave your hands. Look who's on. Yeah. It's the code of man Keith, and he's 
It's That Keith Wine Show on Toginet.com, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central. Every week, That Keith Wine Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Wan and the show, go to his website, KeithWanWann.com. Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number number one, Keith's number one. Everybody clap because the Coda Man's on. Number number one, Keith's number one. Everybody clap because the Coda Man's on. Don't miss that Keith Wan Show. Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk. Brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, The Invasion of the Funky Pastors, Church Business at War with African Culture. And the author is Harry Agina, and Harry joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Harry. Hi, how are you? Good to have you with us. Now, I'm going to read a couple of things that you have written about your book. You say, I want to spread the notion that Christ did not preach against culture, any culture whatsoever, and contrary to the belief of funky pastors, their zombified followers in Nigeria, African culture is not anti-Christ. You also say that your book is explosive, daring, bold, fearless, and intriguing, all implying that the book has broken a taboo to touch an untouchable subject and without fear or favor. So you see in your culture in Nigeria, there's a real conflict between Christianity and the African culture. I wrote the book uh, in order to uh, disagree with the, the, the notion that Christianity um, should kill the African culture because the African culture supposedly is, um, is uh, it's evil. It's not, it's not, it's against Christianity, so it's against all the teachings of Christ. And um, my response to that is, uh, I'm sorry, uh, it, it's not true. It's not true because, I mean, Christ did not choose any particular culture. Christ was for everybody, every culture of the world. And he did not preach against culture, to my knowledge. The truth of the matter is I don't claim to um, to uh, be uh, a clergyman or, or, or be uh, uh, to, to know the Bible. So I'm not a scholar of the Bible. I don't pretend to be. Just my common sense telling me, maybe as a communications person, uh, my communications uh, scholar, my common sense telling me that uh, from what I see, from my understanding of the Bible, and from people also that I, I, I trust who have explained their understanding of the Bible, who disagree with the, the notion that the African culture is evil and must be abolished in favor of Christianity. I have a problem with that. Now, you say there are people within the Christianity community who are just taking advantage of the situation for their own uh, self-serving uh, uh, interest or even, I guess, to uh, just make money. 
Yes, it, it, it is not. It's a, it, 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 the key uh, argument in my book includes uh, arguments. You know, if you watch the segments of arguments in my book, uh, one of them includes saying that the the the, uh, the, the culture itself should be should be actually utilized by Christianity. You should take the right things in in the culture. And they, and they adapt Christianity to bear those right things because the, the, the key, a key element in intercultural interaction, and this is what this is, it is now. The Christian culture, if we want to identify it as a culture, is in Nigeria, and the people who are, because this is not about Christianity, against Christianity, no. This is an argument against misinterpretation and misconception that exists in Christianity by people who are doing it wrongly. <laughs> because there are people who are Christians, who are born-again Christians, who do understand that the culture, the, 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 the good elements of any culture, not just African culture, any other culture around the world, that if you're bringing Christianity into that culture, you should adapt Christianity in some ways to suit that culture and use Christianity to correct some of the elements of the culture that are not good and adapt the ones that are good in that culture so that you actually will have where, you know, a, a marriage between them rather than a, a, a quarrel between them, fighting to see one should eliminate the other. Okay, I have I have an example that I use in the book that has to do with the issue of reggae music. For instance, I was already in Houston, Texas, in the seventies when before reggae even got into became known in the U.S. Otherwise, where you would know reggae would be uh, the west coast of uh, you know like in California. But in Houston, you call reggae, nobody knew what it was. Now, when we came into the U.S., it was seen as a bad element because some of the people who play reggae smoke marijuana. And so they destroy the... But the, see, the rhythm itself, reggae rhythm does not smoke marijuana. <laughs> and it does sound good to the youth. And some youth who want to listen to it, what you do is you use that sweet reggae rhythm. And that's what some uh, uh, progressive Christians eventually did, and they started right now reggae and even rap, as bad as rap, who could be, you know, who had a bad name sometimes. Um, even rap now, the right people know that using rap, reggae, or whatever form of music, whether the, the, some players or some of the artists uh, smoke marijuana or not, you show people that you can play reggae without marijuana and dedicate it to Christ. That is my argument. Show the world that yes, rather than destroy reggae music, which is which God made anyway. God made every music if you ask me, because God created you, and that God gave you whatever music you play. So He made every music. It's up to us to use whatever it is, music or anything else in any culture, rightfully or wrongfully. If we use it wrongfully, then it becomes the devil's instrument. If we use it rightfully, it becomes Christ's instrument. That's my argument, even if we deal with masquerade, for instance. My argument with masquerade is 
Let's teach the, teach the masquerade Christian songs. There are some beautiful masquerades that are like, you know, dressed like women or some dressed like children. Very amusing ones that every children play with. Let's, let's bring those ones up, promote them more, give them Christian songs, and put them to promote Christianity. Don't destroy them. Don't say them because, you know, that's the argument of uh, some of the arguments in the book. Like oh. I said, which started in my village with some of my brethren wanted to uh, abolish Christianity. I mean, uh, abolish uh, 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 masquerades because of Christianity. And some of us said no. Um, glad to say that we are kind, we are, we are uh, successful to a good extent because some of the things are now at least stopped for now. Some of the instructions have stopped because we have brought in the law. You do the right, wrong thing by destroying something that doesn't belong to you, just because it's a cultural thing that you don't like, and you do, then we get you arrested for destruction of somebody else's property. So with that kind of threat, things are at least at a halt. And some people are also complaining now. I mean, the, 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 it's, it's a war now. It's really because so many things have happened. Burning of uh, churches have happened, uh, killings. So it is a war. That's most of the teachers of the book is to say, no, let's try and leave, have these things, use each other. Let's have to turn every good element of Christianity. Like I said before, we, nobody can, you know, the, the pro-culture like, like myself, we can't argue, for instance, that it's okay to kill twins, which used to happen in African culture, in the years past, by our forefathers. So, of course, now we know much better. So we say, no, can't be killing twins. They can't be, we, they are not taboo. Here's why. Let's explain to you. So now people know, okay, you don't kill twins anymore in the African culture. And so many other things that have stopped. But the good ones must be promoted so that we can compete in the community of, uh, of, of, of uh, you know, the, the global community, that there is a culture that is called African. Let's not water it down to English culture or Asian culture. That's the argument. I've often heard from my African-American friends that it's important that uh, we all know where we've come from, that that historical context must be preserved. That's what you're saying, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, it wouldn't matter certain. whether it wouldn't matter the color of skin. We all need to know where we've come from, our culture. Exactly. Because if we don't, we are losing. I mean, before long, before long, we will have what one culture now around the world. Should we? Is it good? The communications uh, uh, field uh, insists that no, we cannot be. One culture, the, 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 the diversity. There is strength in diversity. There is fun in diversity. We can't all be one culture. The, 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 the Caucasian American or Caucasian uh, Englishman wants sometimes to come to Africa and see something different from what he's used to. That's why people go on vacation, isn't it? That's why people go across the globe on vacation. Because they want to see something different. They want to see, be with a, a culture that is different. 
Now, how would you feel if you travel all the way from, from the U.S. and come inside the one village in Africa and all you see are exactly the same thing you left in, uh, from your town, your city in the U.S.? How would you feel? Why the heck did you come there to then? It could be, you know, that might be now, there might be my reasons why you shouldn't come because since you're coming to see the same thing and then you are risking your life by flying and things, then you might start getting moved. So why are we traveling then? We should all stay where we are if we want to see just one thing. But we don't. So we know that, that uh, the, the, the diverse, diversity in culture is a welcome idea. It's a, you know, it's, and it is there to stay. But unfortunately, you know, you know some people who, are, who feel maybe inferior about their culture, because some, some of this is really, uh, I mean, I've been in the Western world for over 30 years, and so it, 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 it may be, it, it, having gotten that part of the Western world for so long and mixing it with this, my origin, I now more than ever realize that there is need to keep that African culture African. Because I, am, I get tired of you know, being just with that Western culture. Like I said, every Christmas I would rather be in my village in the southeastern Nigeria. Because of the atmosphere, the, the fun, the, 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 the festivities. Yeah, I, I, I can see all kinds of festivities in Houston, Texas, where I live mostly. But I, 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 I want that my African uh, traditional festivity that I would always want to be in my village every Christmas season. So, and I do as much as I can, depending on my circumstances or my situation at, at the time, I do get there because of that difference. But we must eliminate all the bad things in that culture. That's, that, that, there's no argument about that. And again, I'm talking about, again, my emphasis, really, because I am a Christian. And honestly, I also believe I'm a born-again Christian. Now, how people define born-again is what we are doing, you know, where we now start having some differences. Um, what some people believe that by being uh, born-again, you are not supposed to be a look a woman is not supposed to look uh, beautiful. If you don't look beautiful, Jesus Christ cannot marry every woman in, 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 in the world. Okay, so he's, you know, you're not going to get married. You won't be attracted. Okay, so you need to look good. Just don't be vain. Don't do the wrong things. Don't expose yourself too much. You don't have to expose yourself in order to look queenly, beautiful, pretty. But some churches even argue against that. You are supposed to look like Playing Jen, the dummy, in order to be a Christian. That is not true. Christ is beautiful. God is beautiful. God wants things to be beautiful. So, you know, depending yourself because you think that's what Christ wants is not true. That's part of my argument. And, you know, that, of course, with the, the main key one being the fact that now some so called pastors, are now capitalizing on this, um, like the word I use, these zombified Christians. They have, they have turned some of them into zombies. And, you know, um, I mean, that is not an African thing. That's a fact, too. I mean, after all, we had uh, Reverend Jim Jones you know, uh, in, uh, 
in Guyana, that, I mean, that, that it is owned in Guyana. So it's not really an African thing. But again, the fact remains all over the world. Those powers do exist in terms of one human being being able to turn hundreds, sometimes thousands, or even millions of people to do things that you know, normal human beings wouldn't do. Because that's really what is happening in Nigeria now. I mean, you see, these pastors, these pastors get away with everything. They do everything. We've reached the point where I need to ask, Harry, how do we get your book? My book is uh, can be found with the uh, author house and uh, any you know the author house website, through author house website or um, the website the uh, funkypastors.com. Funkypastors.com. Well, we appreciate you being with us on Author Talk. Thank you so much, Harry. You're very welcome. My pleasure. That was Harry Agina. He is the author of his book, The Invasion of the Funky Pastors, Church Business at War with African Culture. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. People think I've made it. I'm popular. I seem happy all the time. I have great clothes and I'm involved in everything. But I have questions, doubts, and fears just like every other teenager. That's why I'm glad for Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. The choices we have to make that can alter the course of our lives. Life is too much pressure if we try to go it alone. I tune in to Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell every week to get reminded that I'm not alone. Nicole O'Dell is an expert on what happens in the lives of teenagers. Join her as she deals with topics like peer pressure, purity, drugs, alcohol, and many other things that might come up along the way. She writes books and speaks to people all over the place, but she says her favorite moments are when she can pull up a chair and chat with teens about what's important to us. For more information on Nicole and her books, go to NicoleO'Dell.com. Then join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. So where were you in the 1970s? Well, this Saturday morning, we're going to flash back to the 70s as we count down the classic hits with the American Rock and Roll Countdown. You'll hear news and information and stories about the artist and what was going on during the specific week that we highlight. So be sure to join us at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time this Saturday on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The titles of the books, The Foundation for Success, Love, Volume 1, and The Daily Faith Devotional Journal. And the author is Dr. Jerome Spriggs, and Dr. Jerome Spriggs joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Jerome. Hello, Steve. How are you? Thank you for having me. Well, it's a thrill to have you here because you have this formula for success and it has a spiritual foundation with it. And so before we get into the details, 
I want to just read a couple things, what you've written about your foundation for success, and then we'll also talk about what I call the workbook, the application, uh, the Daily Faith Devotional Journal. But here's what you have written about your book. Are you tired of failure? Are you ready to succeed? The honesty of the content sets this book apart from all others in its class. If you develop the love of God, you will succeed. But if you don't, you will not succeed. That's brief and right to the point. So why write this book and why put together this program for success, Dr. Spriggs? Yes, that's an excellent question. Thank you for asking that question. I was inspired to write this book because I wanted to show and reveal to people that they could succeed and there was a key to succeeding in any area and every area of their lives, be it financially or socially or emotionally in their relationships, in our finances, business, in our relationships with our families, whatever the case may be. And the key is to develop in the love of God. So this book was specifically written to anyone who desires to succeed in any area of their lives. So the appeal would be very widespread to many different individuals, be it a working professional to a single mother. And you say the wonderful thing about the love that comes from God is that he doesn't discriminate. That is correct. The love of God is universal and it's everlasting. And that's the wonderful thing about the love of God is that he loves all of us the same and he loves all of us unconditionally. So you believe that every person who wants to succeed, we need to have a deeper understanding of what you call the matchless, eternal, unstoppable love of God. That is correct. That is correct. And the love of God is developed by spending time with him in relationship. Any relationship that we desire to develop must be, spent by, must be developed by spending time with that particular individual. Would you agree? Definitely. So I believe that if we spend time in the Word of God on a daily basis, you'll develop your heart and your ear to hear from Him, and you'll begin to receive the instructions necessary to succeed in any area. So by developing this relationship, by reading His Word, you're really uh, getting to know His thinking. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about some highlights from the book. Uh, you talk about four benefits of walking in love. Uh, number one is financial prosperity. Two is physical health. Three is long life, length of days. And four, eternal life, the promise of everlasting life. Let's talk about financial prosperity. Give us some uh, details about that. Sure. Well, the Word of God is built on spiritual laws which means that they'll work for anybody who applies them and puts them into practice. So, for example, financial prosperity works by the law of seed time and harvest, which says that if you give, you'll receive based on the seed that you've sown. So God wants every one of us blessed financially, and he doesn't discriminate in who he'll bless. He'll bless anybody who decides to operate in obedience to his law, which is to give. The key word there is obedience, it sounds like. Yes, that's correct. Obeying the spiritual laws, which is the commandment of love, will cause a believer or will cause an individual who's practicing them to succeed in that area. So where financial prosperity is concerned, obedience to give will cause the law to work and 
allow that individual to receive as a result of the blessing that comes from it. Give us a little highlight of long life, length of days. We all want to live a long life. (laughs) We certainly do. You know, there are a lot of products on the market for uh, youthful skin or rejuvenation of your youth and and, and returning back to that that youthful time when you had more energy and, and things of that nature. God has a plan for length of days and long life, and it is for his people to walk in love. If you walk in the love of God on a daily basis with everyone that you come in contact with, it will affect your health and how long you live and the condition of your life on a daily basis. You also talk about the hindrances to love. You say there are five of them. There's pride, fear, doubt, unbelief, the spirit of offense, enemy of love. So let's, let's just talk about pride. Sure. Pride was actually the enemy that got Lucifer kicked out of heaven initially. So we know that pride goes before a fall, and it causes us to begin to operate against what we were originally created to do and to be. So originally God created man to walk in love toward him. But if we allow pride to creep in, it will hinder our love and it will cause us to fall and fail where we were supposed to succeed. It will invite the curse instead of the blessing. So it's that kind of uh, pride that says, I know better than God. I'm smarter than God. That's correct. And that mindset is what hinders your love from causing your faith to be effective, therefore yielding a result of failure as opposed to success. And of course, fear, the opposite of love, is a great hindrance to love. Absolutely. I mean, many people are even afraid to say the words, I love you. And I know I went through a period in my own life where the Lord was was teaching me how to love and the process of loving. You know, we don't know something until we receive knowledge concerning it so that we can operate in it. And fear always comes from a spirit that did not come from God. So anytime you're afraid of anything in any area, afraid to express your love in a particular area, or afraid to step out to do something that you've always desired to, maybe start a business or um, something in a relationship to express yourself in love, to give something, because you're afraid of rejection. All of us have faced this hindrance, and we must overcome it. And you say this, a uh, very personal statement. It, it sums up what you just talked about. I have had many successes in life, and I have made my fair share of mistakes, but this truth I have learned. Love never fails. <laughs> that truth that's found in the Word concerning love, it's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 which says, charity never faileth. That's the love of God that's working on the inside of a person. Once you develop this relationship with God in love, he will never allow you to fail, and you will always overcome any obstacle that comes in your path. You also make the statement that all things are possible to them that believe. That is true. That's another spiritual law. We spoke of laws earlier. Anytime you choose to walk in love, it will cause your faith to be effective. Your faith will work because of your love. So at the point of walking in love, anything that you're believing God for now will become possible to you. Well, let's talk about the daily application, the 
the um, the assistance that you provided the reader that he can take the foundation for success, Love Volume 1, and turn it into daily activity. You have the Daily Faith Devotional Journal. Now, why did you develop this? Yes, I was inspired to make this product available to all of my readers because I discovered that many people may not even read their Bible except for once a week. I mean, they might go to church on a Sunday morning or uh, whenever they attend their service, and they might not spend any time in the Word of God throughout the remainder of the week, but there are seven days in that week. So I wanted to give them something that would aid them, some type of a tool, a guide, for them to be able to spend time in the Word on a daily basis and truly cultivate and develop that personal love relationship with the Lord for themselves. So every day is broken down into activities And I guess every day is the same. At the top, you have word, thought of the day. Now, where did you come up with these? Are these uh, scripture verses, or are these just thoughts that you've put together? Yes, Steve, that's an excellent question. Um, Yes, there are verses that I use for each day of the year. You know, one word will get you through the entire day, one word from God, and He desires for us to meditate on the word daily because it keeps us conscious that he is love and that he loves us. So some days we use a scripture. Other days we may use a quote, something to keep your mind set on love. On the the activity line, daily reading, it says read seven chapters per day. So what are we reading? Yes, you can choose whatever version of the scriptures is most easily understood for you. I have several suggestions on the rear cover of the book that suggest what type of versions of the Bible that you might want to read. The King James Version, the New King James Version, the Amplified Version, the Message Bible, or the New Living Translation, all of which are wonderful Bibles to read, some of which are study Bibles. And if you read up to seven chapters a day, you can read the entire Word of God in 365 days throughout the year. You also have a line that says, with the blank space, goals for the day. Yes, the goals for the day section is for anything that you might be desiring to achieve throughout the course of that day. So you can write down your particular goal after you spend your time in fellowship with the Lord for that day so that you can release your faith while you're walking in love throughout that 24-hour period. And is Galatians 5, 22, and 23, is that on every day of the month? Yes, that's on every day throughout the course of the year. Why don't you and read that for us? Quote that for us. Absolutely. Galatians five twenty-two and 23 reads, this is the King James Version, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Well, that gives us plenty to work on each day because the very next line says fruit cultivated today and then it has a blank space to, I guess, assess how we did that day in one of these fruits of the Spirit. That is correct. I would suggest just choosing one particular fruit during that day. You know, you'll have enough opportunities that arise throughout the course of the day from the time you rise in the morning to focus on and to meditate on developing just for that period of 24 hours. 
So I suggest that each individual reader pick at least one fruit per day to cultivate. One day you may choose love. You're just going to walk in love with everyone you come in contact with. You're going to choose not to be offended, no matter what occurs. The next day, you might choose peace, which means that you'll make a decision to keep your mind stayed on the Lord throughout the course of that day and not allow anything to rob you of your peace. The following day, you may choose joy, and so forth. And then also, on every day, there is room, some blank space for notes, just, I guess, some personal feelings or some personal inspiration. Absolutely. This section may be used for prayer requests or for any type of heart desire that you might release your faith for or upon that particular day. Let's say, for example, you're trusting God to do something in the area of your finances. Well, it's a good idea to write that down in your journal so that as you release your faith for it, you can revisit that particular request months later after the Lord has manifested that promise to you and that it's come to pass so you can see how long it's taking you for your faith to manifest. You say the one thing you want readers to learn and take away from your book is this very important principle, God is love and He loves us. Very simple, but obviously very powerful. Absolutely. God is love. First John 4 and 8 says that God is love. So, as we're walking in the love of God, what you're really walking in is God himself. And when we choose to operate in obedience to the commandments of love, there is no hindrance and there is no weapon that is formed against us that can prosper. Dr. Spriggs, do you have a website? Yes, I do have a website. Our website is www.jeromespriggs.com. We also have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com. Jerome Spriggs, and I also have a Twitter account. Feel free to join us and follow us there, twitter.com, Jerome Spriggs. And Spriggs, everyone, is spelled S-P-R-I-G-G-S, Spriggs. Well, how do we get your book? I imagine we can get it at your website. Absolutely. You can purchase the products there at our website, jeromespriggs.com. We also have the products available through Author House, which is our publisher, that's authorhouse.com. You can do a keyword search, Jerome Spriggs, and pick up both of our projects today. Well, we want to thank you, Dr. Jerome Spriggs, for being on Author Talk. Excellent. Thank you, Steve, for having me. That was Dr. Jerome Spriggs. He is the author of two works one, The Foundation for Success, Love, Volume 1, and The Daily Faith Devotional Journal.